106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. One of the things that I find really interesting is just kind of your character arc, meaning, you know, when you first got into this, it's, it's incredible to look at a man who was just so loved in the way that you were. I grew up, I listened to hip hop, all of the artists love you, you were on TV, you were this big celebrity personality, everybody wanted to be like Donald Trump. And then just like that, the media right. snaps their fingers and they start what I can only describe as the most vicious dehumanization campaign that I've ever seen in my life. How do you deal with that, going from you are so loved, loved, to never mind, nobody is allowed to love you anymore because we say so, and we're the media. Right. Once I became a politician, and you're right, I mean, a lot of the hip-hop guys loved me, and probably secretly they still love me, but I was on, I guess, mentioned in more songs than anybody, and not even close, and, you know, it was just, it, it was sort of wild. I'd hear it all the time where people would say, hey, I just heard you on this or that. Uh, and it changed when you become a politician, especially if you become a conservative or Republican or whatever. Uh, you see it all the time. But it also works. I mean, I was I watched with great pleasure as Mitt Romney got practically booed off the not practically <laughs> got booed off the stage over the weekend because people get it. You know, they get it. They know phonies, and uh, they know people that we affectionately call people rhinos, but they know phony people. And uh, when they see something like that, little Ben Sass, guys like that, they get it. And, uh, you know, so it, in one way it works, it works doubly. But the, re the, the Democrats are protected. When you see the uh, speech that Biden made the other day, and then they get on and they say, oh, that reminded me of FDR, you know, they know it's a lie. It was, it was a terrible speech. And terrible, just the delivery, everything, and they know that. But the fake news media likes to try and make it like it was a wonderful speech, a great speech. Wasn't it wonderful? And they must go back into the back room after the show and just laugh at each other and uh, high-five each other, because it's, it's disgraceful. Well, hi there. I'm a top executive for Major League Baseball. I'm also a dear friend of the Chinese Communist Party. But this isn't about me. This is about you. I know many of you will be watching a sport and you'll be thinking to yourself, geez, I really wish there were more politics involved in this game. So guys. What? No, no, I, I have never wished for that. And it's not just Major League Baseball. Woke celebrities and woke corporations understand your desire for more politics too. We all know that you've been shopping in the grocery store looking at products, wondering if this specific product supports gender fluidity? Uh, no, 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 I don't. The stress of having to look at two different cans of beans, wondering which one supports environmental justice, or perhaps the dilemma of watching your favorite film and wondering, did this guy support my guy in the last election? No, no, I... I don't want to know. Or you start to hear a new tune that you like, but before you start to really like it, you want to make sure that the person singing is affiliated with the same political party as you. No, no, I, 
I don't want to know what political party they belong to. You see, we understand your stress. So we're going to invade every aspect of your lives with politics. For instance, here at Major League Baseball, we didn't like that Georgia is now requiring people to show an ID to vote. So we have decided to move our all-star game to a state that's less diverse and has stricter election laws because we're woke, real woke. So join our movement. Let's have politics in everything and everywhere so you can never get away from it. We are the top influencers in the world, the top corporations in the world, the top celebrities in the world. And we, we are woke. We are the resistance. Looks like all systems are go. <clears throat> You're listening to No Hostages Radio, and this is episode number one 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 eleven, and it will play on uh, May 15, 2021. This is Lou Benninger, and uh, we're here once a week <clears throat> on start off on Saturdays, and uh, but obviously with a podcast you can listen whenever and however you want. So you may have got to us uh, on your podcast source, or you may have gone to our website, which is nohostagesradio.com. And since we have that site, you can reach me by email at lou, L-O-U, at nohostagesradio.com. Or you could dial me up at 530-713-1838, 530-713-1838. I'm on the left coast in Northern California, so keep that in mind. You can text me, though, anytime you wish, and uh, I will get that. Or you can <clears throat> email me at your convenience, and I will take a look at that and respond quickly back to you, unless you just are saying something gnarly and want to tell me what to do with it. Uh, so then I don't think you need a response. Uh, okay, let's see. We are, uh, I think that's all the introductory items we need to cover. I just want to mention uh, Dr. Joe Cassidy, who is a key doc here for many years now, over two decades, and I'm probably pushing three decades he was the health officer for Yuba County for, I think, a decade and a half and also uh, worked in the Yuba County Jail, took care of all the inmates. And there he met many, many people addicted to uh, various substances and, uh, and other problems, other addictions. But uh, we have been alarmed, he and I. We met maybe 30 years ago, and we began talking about drug treatment and the need for more drug treatment in this area and more care for addicts. And uh, he brought the first methadone clinic to town. There's two methadone clinics in the, this community now, the Yuba Sutter counties of Northern California. He does not run either one of them, but he also, he, he uh, probably of, of any doctor in the community sees more addicts and helps people uh, return to a normal life. So uh, we 
we printed up some cards, like a, well, maybe a three by four or three by five card that says on it, are you ready? Call us. And then it says Narcan prescriptions, opioid addiction treatment, residential drug treatment, counseling service, smoking cessation. And then it gives our phone number. So if you have a need in that area, I'm on there mainly just to coordinate the traffic. But you can call Peachtree Clinic um, in the Yuba Sutter area. He works in both counties for Peachtree Clinic. And uh, if you have problems getting through, it's a fascinating thing to me that businesses in this modern age of technology cannot take a call properly. And you end up with sitting on hold forever like it used to be or has always been with the IRS or the DMV. You just wait and wait and wait, and then finally they say, maybe you should just call back another time. So if you have that problem with Peachtree Clinic and you really need some help, call. Uh, you can text them at 530-682-8648, 530-682-8648. And I just got to – I've had it. – he's been getting some calls or contacts, texts and things, and I've been getting some uh, out of Nevada County. So uh, in the surrounding counties, it's fine. He he serves in Yuba Sutter, but other counties, uh, people in other counties need help as well. I got a call today from Arizona, guy I used to know that lived here. He left the area, got himself straightened out, off drugs, out of trouble, no more prison, doing great. And now he wants us to help his uh, brother, who was in Sacramento, California. That's a capital just south of us here. So if you need some help, uh, dial us up at uh, 530-682-8648. Please text that number. Uh, he does uh, operate with this clinic, serves in his clinic, so he can't answer the phone during work hours. But he could take your text and respond to you if he knows what you need. Okay, uh, I want to start off by saying... Uh, there's a lot of talk about the so-called vaccine. It's not an, a vaccine at all. Uh, it's an experimental inoculation. <clears throat> and some people are incredibly uh, bragging about taking it as if it's uh, the first time anybody had a cell phone or something. And so there's a free and brave conference part two that are that's going to be held here in northern california at the church of glad tidings at 1179 eager road that's just north of yuba city um, in between yuba city and live oak but closer to yuba city it's right off highway 99 if you're out in some of these other counties up here or if you're anywhere in the uh i know some people are coming down from washington state probably some people come down from oregon traveling in if you don't have to travel in it's going to be live streamed it's also going to be recorded and available on the church of website give us a week or two to get all those those clips on there but this is going to be a um a conference that's heavy on medical vaccines covid all those kind of explanations we have some of the top people in the country dr david martin dr judy mikovitz Dr. Sher Dr. Sherry Tinpenny, just lots of those types of folks coming. And uh, the Free and Brave number one was amazing. Free and Brave number two could be more amazing. Dr. Kerry Madej is coming. All these people are, are uh, 
Nikki Florio talking about geoengineering and 5G uh, networks is going to be there. There's going to be lots of people there. And uh, so here's the deal. It's free, but you can't just walk in. I guess you can walk in, but if it's full, it's full. So if you register, sign up, say, I'm coming, uh, there's no legal obligation to come. But if you, you, the idea is to sign up and then we'll have your name on the list, give you a wristband or something like that so you can come to the conference because we don't have, have uh, unlimited seating capacity. So go to churchofgladtidings.com, go to Free and Brave Conference Part 2 or 2.0, whatever they say it. And register or sign up, okay? And uh, and then we will know when we're getting full. We're going to have most of the people in a live uh, venue. And overflow will go across the drive, uh, just 50 feet away, into a, a screened uh, simulcast right over there. So you can watch and be there, and you probably in- interact with them at lunchtime or at breaks, coffee breaks, or whatever. So uh, check that out. Also, uh, I wanted to mention uh, the Yuba Sutter Militia is still uh, developing, and people are still signing up for that. There is a uh, there was an introductory meeting on April 30th. Uh, May 15th, there's going to be a training at Glad Tidings. There's going to be... Uh, some other activities. I think the easiest way at this point is just to call 530-671-3160 if you want to get involved in extension 202 or go to Courtney at churchofgladtidings.com. Courtney, C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y. You want to sign up. You do not have to be male. You can be female. You can be male. You can be old. You can be young. So uh, you can be uh, overweight. You can be... Uh, if you have some handicap issues, disab- disabilities, that's okay. We can use everybody in some capacity. So sign up. This is about uh, making a stronger, safer community. And uh, sign up. Check it out, right? And all the information, all your personal information, phone number, address, when you sign up, get involved, is all kept here locally, isn't shared with anybody outside our jurisdiction. We just needed to get a hold of you. Also, I want to tell you about the uh, operation called ROAR, R-O-A-R, and that's a children's operation, and they're going to do a uh, three months worth of children's activities at Church of Glad Tidings starting June 2nd, Wednesday. It's going to be on Wednesdays. For the first three hours of the day, three and a half hours, from 9 a.m. to 12.30, including snacks, drinks, and lunch. And uh, so anyone can get involved in that. And so I would, from kindergarten till to fifth grade, if you have any teenagers and they want to volunteer, we would enjoy having them to help. So you can uh, reach them, again, at uh, Church of Glad Tidings six seven one three one six zero okay i think you're young sir i watch them out there during the week and there's there's uh they have an operation out there called uh arrow education which is an embellish embellishment to uh your homeschooling and so there's activities there's schooling there's 
intellectually stimulating activities for young people uh, on Tuesdays. But call if you want more, want to hook up with Roar, sign up. Call five three zero six seven one three one six zero. So we have been um, we've been talking about Dr. Fauci, and we've been talking about Dr. Burks, B I R X, and we've been talking about Dr. Liu and other health doctors throughout the uh, the fifty eight counties of California. And I don't know much about the other states. I know a little bit about what's going on in the counties up in the north state here and uh there's been a lot of misinformation about the movement of uh health officers from one county to another usually what's happening right now is that health officers although they once uh considered themselves employees of the board of supervisors they now even though they are employees of the board of supervisors of each county that's who hires them that's who fires them they really have considered uh, themselves more the employee of the tyrant governor, Governor Gavin Newsom. And so, uh, for instance, when in August, when the Placer County Board of, Board of Supervisors voted to uh, no longer follow the mandates of the governor because they said they, their, their health statistics were better than the average county, uh, as soon as they voted on that and passed that and changed their county stance towards closed businesses and things like that, that's when Amy Sisson, who was the health officer up there for the previous 11 months, she resigned. She wasn't thrown out. She wasn't forced out. She resigned. Why? Because she didn't see herself as employed by the Board of Supervisors, but she saw herself as bowing to Tyrant Newsom. And so she went over to Yellow County and inflicted tighter lockdown measures and caused them to have worse uh, outcomes than in Placer County. And so Placer County has done quite well without her. So my point in bringing this up is all along from the last 16 months, I've been talking about the fact that health officers are like the equivalent of the Nazi soldiers that carried out the dictates of Adolf Hitler and the ones that uh, carried out dictates to enslave uh, anybody that wasn't pure German and uh, damaged people, harassed people, shot people, tortured people, experimented on children, injected them with all kinds of stuff. And uh, so... When the war was over in World War II, it wasn't just it wasn't enough once they walked through the uh, gas chambers, uh, the allies walked through the gas chambers and saw what was happening. And they heard stories of what was uh, happening to abuse the rights and, and the humanity of millions and millions of people. Uh, they, the allies decided that they needed to have a trial because these weren't, this wasn't just a war. This, these were crimes against humanity. These were, these were deceptive people. These were, these were, uh, mentally deranged people. And, but the story, the excuse they gave when they got to the Nuremberg trials is that they were just simply involved in wartime activities and they were simply following the orders of those above. The the judges or judge or judges in the Nuremberg trials didn't accept that that excuse because they felt that human beings had a had a right 
just like if you're in the Army or the Marines or the Air Force, you have a right, you have a, a mandate to obey lawful orders, not just any old order. Like if, the, if someone says, go out and shoot this person in the head, it needs to be lawful. And uh, so the, the judges in the Nuremberg trials held these people accountable because the criminal behavior was so egregious. And so more and more people now are saying that Anthony Fauci is uh, the deceiver, the grand deceiver behind COVID from the funding of the uh, COVID trials or experiments in Wuhan. In fact, there's some thinking that it wasn't even authorized, that he gave millions and millions of taxpayers, American taxpayers money to the Chinese for experimenting in Wuhan, maybe because we wouldn't allow that here. And uh, But he's the one who's con continued to manage the COVID mismanagement from the very beginning. Fauci's dictates or mandates have pretty much been followed by most of the governors, particularly the liberal governors in the in the nation. The 50, there's, I don't know how many liberal governors off the top of my head, but certainly there's some standout liberal governors. Newsom would be one. A Whitmer in, in Michigan would be another. There's, there's, there's a bunch of them, and they, and Cuomo would be another. So, uh, but Fauci has, has been proven to be a liar and a deceiver uh, for his entire career. Judy Mikovits has written books about uh, her experience working side by side with Fauci, that he's deceptive, he's a liar, and he's a manipulator and a deceiver. And in, in 1983, Fauci announced that you can remember, remember in the early 80s or maybe it was the late 70s, people got really sick. And uh, they were getting really sick down here in San Francisco. People couldn't figure out what was going on. They had massive diarrhea, uh, lots of sores in their mouth, uh, open sores. And, uh, and they died really quickly. And it was gnarly. And so people didn't know what it was. And it took a while to kind of sort it out. But uh, it, it was an attack on the, the immune system was shutting down on people. And remember, remember, with COVID, the idea was if you had a strong immune system, you had really nothing to fear. But uh, the AIDS uh, or HIV and then becomes AIDS, uh, Americans put a lot of money and effort into trying to figure out what we could do if a person got HIV to stop that from becoming full-blown AIDS and then killing them. And I've known people... Uh, personally that died of AIDS and uh, I've actually done a funeral for uh, a guy that died of AIDS and I've talked to other people that, that were dying of AIDS and um, so one of the people that made the breakthrough discovery on AIDS uh, was Judy Mikovits who ended up having her, her uh, career trashed and she's going to she's was at the first Free and Brave conference. She's coming back. But in 1983, Dr. Fauci announced, you can catch AIDS. I want you to think about this. You can catch, this is the top, one of the top lab guys in the United States, right? You can catch AIDS by being in the same room of an AIDS patient. 
There, there's not one thing accurate about that statement. There's no way you're not going to get AIDS from being in the same room of an AIDS patient. You get AIDS from transferring bodily fluids from an AIDS patient to another person. Maybe some blood, but at least bodily fluids. But you're transferring them usually in some kind of sexual activity. But in 1983, Fauci announced you can catch it by being in the same room of an AIDS patient. I want you to think if you were an AIDS patient and no one could visit you or would visit you because they thought they're going to get the same gnarly thing you got. Now, I want you to think about all the crazy things that Dr. Fauci or Tony Fauci, I call him the mouse or the lab rat, Fauci has said over the last 16 months about COVID, which has been total nonsense. There has not been one thing about uh, this this uh, COVID epidemic that has turned out to be true. Remember, we were supposed to have 2.3 million deaths or something like that. At first, he said he lied to us and said, don't wear masks. And then he later said, well, I really just said that because I didn't want you to buy them all up so the health care people could have them. I'm going to take a break right now. If you're new to this, it's one of six breaks or five breaks. It'll be six sessions of 20 minutes. We're at the end of our first. We'll be right back. There's some clips here for you to listen to. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back. You can't hear me? Is that better? Is that? Yeah, I can't. I can't hear you either. What kind of mask is that? Hey, now when we go back into the school, you need to follow your arrow, okay? You know your mask is not a parachute. It's so don't put things in your mask. It, it goes on your face. And you don't go in her play circle. That's that's her play circle. That's your play circle. You stay in your play circle, okay? Everybody's in their own own play circle. Yeah, your mask is not a napkin, okay? Yeah, I can I can wipe down your desk if you need it wiped down. Just don't use your mask. Is it Jake? Yeah, Jake, it's not a slingshot. Okay, yeah, you don't. I need you three in the back to take your mask off of your head. They're, they're not hats, okay? Yeah, it doesn't go on your chin, okay? It goes on your, it goes over your nose. Not not here, not like this, okay? Over like this, can we do that? Can we? You can't, you can't touch his, his, his ball, okay? We're not sharing balls here. Nobody shares anybody's balls. Uh, Caitlin, you're not to share Sophia's mask. Yeah, we don't we don't trade masks. Is it Brecklin? Okay, Brecklin, we don't we don't chew on the mask. You don't need to chew it. It's not gum. No, we, we don't have gum. I don't have any gum. Uh, don't lick your mask. No licking. Oh my gosh, no, no, you can take the mask off when you have your snack. Yeah, it's okay. Just take it off. Your mask is not a purse. Your mask is not a basket. Okay, I need everybody to line up six feet apart, okay? Line's gonna go around the entire school. I need you to stop touching, stop touching your mask. I know I, I keep touching my mask too. We need to wash hands. Wash hands. Everybody wash hands. You need to put your mask back on. You feel like you're gonna pass out. Okay, take the mask off. Let's get you some water. Don't don't color on your mask. Don't yeah, no markers, no colors on the mask. No, your mask is not a band-aid. Do you need a band-aid? Let's not fling the mask. You don't need to fling it. Okay. Yes, yeah, she does have a very pretty mask. It, 
It's not better than yours. Now I need to sanitize this. Where's the hand sanitizer? Anybody? Maybe next week we'll work on math or reading, English, history, science. Maybe next week. And now, great moments in unintended consequences. Part one, window wealth. The year, 1696. The problem, Britain needs money. The solution, tax windows. Windows increase with relative wealth and are easily observed and verified from afar. A perfect revenue generator is born. Sounds like a great idea. With the best of intentions, what could possibly go wrong? To avoid higher taxes, houses were built with fewer windows and existing windows were bricked up. Tenements were charged as single dwellings, putting them in a higher tax bracket, which led to rising rents or windowless apartments. The lack of ventilation and sunlight led to greater disease, stunted growth, and one rather irate Charles Dickens. It took more than 150 years for politicians to see the error of their ways, perhaps because their view was blocked by bricks. Part 2. Loony Ladies The year, 1992. The problem? Nude dancing is degrading to women and ruining the moral fabric of Alberta, Canada. The solution? Establish a one-meter buffer zone between patrons and dancers. Sounds like a total buzzkill with puritanical intentions. What could possibly go wrong? It turns out that dancers earn most of their money in the form of tips. And dollar bills don't fly through the air very well. Thus, the measure designed to protect dancers from degrading treatment resulted in the Looney Toss, a creepy ritual where naked women are pelted with Canadian dollar coins. Way to make the ladies feel special. Part 3. Gallant Grocers. The year, 2021. The problem? Local bureaucrats need to look like they care. The solution? Mandate grocery stores provide hero pay to their workers. Sounds like a great idea. With the best of intentions, what could possibly go wrong? Never mind that these ordinances may preempt federal labor and equal protection laws. A 28% pay raise for employees can be catastrophic to grocery stores that traditionally operate on razor-thin margins. As a result, many underperforming stores were closed, resulting in a hero pay of sudden unemployment. Don't spend it all in one place, heroes. Great moments and unintended consequences. Good intentions, bad results. Trump thinks he's a real tough guy, huh? I'm gonna put Trump in a cage. That's right, I'm gonna put Trump in a cage. Guys, hey, 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 uh, we're, we're good, we're good. Uh, thank you, thank you for this, but we're good now, okay? <laughs> we've got, uh, we've got Biden now, currently in the White House, and uh, we're just gonna rename the cages, okay? We're gonna rename the cages migrant facilities, and uh, we're good. So your services, are no longer needed. Thank you, but back it up, <laughs> okay? That's a wrap. <laughs> but seriously, uh, we're, we're good. We don't need to talk about this anymore. 
uh, we're just going to move on. Just move on. And uh, thank you so much. But we're good now. We're good. Okay. Oh. Okay. What? Oh. Huh. Okay. Well, <laughs> I guess we're done here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what? Oh, so, so we're good? Okay. It's a wrap. What? Oh, okay. Well. Anybody want to go to lunch? So I don't want to go through a whole list of Fauci, Fauci-isms, but he's been full of baloney from the beginning, and he keeps changing his story continually. Then big, I, I enjoyed uh, President Trump in his time in office. One thing I did not enjoy is him putting forth Fauci and Burks and Mike Pence day after day after day. So uh, Fauci is the one who, this is the same person who told us to close society for 15 days. You remember that? To just, uh, and COVID would be passed, right? We just needed to close society, shut down, buckle down, close businesses, except the essential businesses, right? Like the casinos and the alcohol, you know, uh, liquor stores and all that kind of stuff. He's the same person who told us to close society for just 15 days, and then COVID virus would be passed. Now he's telling us we might have to wear a mask forever. Yes, forever. Even though every study shows that masks are worthless. In fact, I would just I didn't read it in detail, but I just noticed in the I think it was the Yuba County Board of Supervisors and Sutter County Board of Supervisors both declared that their health emergency was now over and and so the mandating a mask and all that baloney is over. And I think I saw where Dr. Liu is suggesting that masks uh, were based on some kind of study. That is the biggest complete fraud lie there is. There's been no studies on COVID and masks. The only studies on masks have been um, with the flu. With the flu. And they didn't they didn't uh, pan out either. It didn't make a difference whether you had a mask on or you didn't. This masks are about compliance. Standing on an X six feet apart is about compliance. It does not do anything for you health wise. Wearing a screen in front of your face is not about anything. On and on and on and on. What goes? We'll we'll talk more about it. I wanted to say this Saturday. Uh, is Armed Forces Day, it, and and you, like me, you may have grown up with Memorial Day and Veterans Day and Armed Forces Day, and you didn't really know the differences between them, so I'm just going to define Armed Forces Day. It's celebrated on the third Saturday of May each year to honor all those who serve in the U.S. military. In ni- July four- 1947, President Harry Truman signed the National Security Act, which unified 
all branches of the military under the Secretary of Defense. Prior to this, each branch held their own observance days to honor those who served. But in 1949, the Secretary of Defense announced Armed Forces Day to unify all the celebrations. Truman declared the first Armed Forces Day on May 20, 1950, stating, It is fitting and proper that we devote one day each year to paying tribute to the Armed Forces. That's all the branches as the servants and protectors of our nation. Uh, the Hold on here. I just, my computer jumped here. Uh, the first celebration consisted of parades across the U.S. And, and in Berlin, where soldiers were still stationed. And since then, America's military has been honored by generals, presidents, and others on this special day. In honor of Armed Forces Day, be sure to thank somebody. You know, because we're living in Marysville, Yuba City area, we have a lot of people from Beale Air Force Base here, which is a reconnaissance base just to the east of us, east side of Yuba County. So we get a lot of opportunity. You cross paths with people in um, fatigues or camos or whatever you want to call them. And so it's, it's nice. You see them in a restaurant dressed in their uh, their garb, their uniform. It's a great opportunity to go up and say hello. Thank you for your service. Uh, maybe you'd even want to pay for their meal. Uh, so just something to think about. So in honor of Armed Services Day, be sure to thank someone, pray for, for those serving, and attend uh, any local community celebrations to show your support in person and to all those in the U.S. military. Thank you for your service. So in line with that, I wanted to mention, I think last week I said that General Flynn was to be uh, at Church of Glad Tidings or in town and going to speak at be one of the speakers at Church of Glad Tidings on July 17th, which is a Saturday, but they have made an adjustment to that because I think they needed to sort out some logistics on three speaking engagements in California. They're doing a West Coast tour here, L.A., and in San Diego. And so uh, that's a Friday. So I think they're going to do a, a veterans uh, a breakfast just for vets, uh, and they're going to conduct that out at Calvary Christian Center on Highway 20 in Yuba City. And then the rest of the day is going to be out at Church of Glad Tidings at 1179 Eager Road. And uh, I'm not sure who's all going to come. There was some talk of Lynn Woods coming, the attorney. Uh, but I, we haven't got confirmation on that. But uh, I've also heard Devin Nunes, who is a... Uh, key player uh, congressman from the Central Valley. He may come up, but we'll see. But we're hoping that uh, General Flynn will come with his some of his family members and some some uh, security. So in line with that, uh, that's coming up just around the corner since it's uh, the 15th now. And so you're just uh, a couple months away, right? Uh, I wanted to also, let's see what I want to do next. Um, okay. I want to go down here. I want to just... Different people. You know, I brought up this... Uh, I get in trouble with Yuba County, and they took me to court over uh, comments I made about uh, that Fauci, Burks, Dr. Liu, other health officials all should stand trial. And uh, be held accountable for their behavior uh, and and.
pumping lie after lie after lie into the uh, the community. And so um, I wanted, you know what I've noticed just in the last couple of days, I heard Rand Paul uh, going at it with Fauci, holding him accountable, trying to hold him accountable, saying he was the problem with the whole mismanagement of the COVID virus. Uh, it's interesting that these politicians ended up uh, instead of our local family doctors managing our health with us as individuals, uh, we now have all these politicians involved. I'm trying to, okay, I'm trying to find this article. There's a short article about Tucker Carlson went on and talked about there's one person in the United States that's right at the pinnacle. Here it is right here. So I did I want to I didn't want to play his whole clip because he does long clips. It says Tucker Carlson, Fauci is the most responsible for COVID pandemic than any other single living American. So this was I in a, if you want to look at some interesting things on vaccinations, just uh, children's health. Oh, let's see what I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you in a minute. So. Uh, it says Fox News commentator Tucker Carlson took aim this week at two political operatives, Jeffrey Zentz and Dr. Anthony Fauci. Specifically, Carlson raised questions about both men's roles, past and present, in the pandemic. So uh, Tucker Carlson asked two questions. Why was Jeffrey Zent, former management consultant at Bain & Company, which is an investment firm, and he said on the board of Facebook and also on President Biden's transition team, why is he someone with no background at all in science or medicine? Why was he appointed to the White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator? Appointed as that person. Number two, why isn't uh, Anthony Fauci under criminal investigation for his role in creating the COVID panic? Now, I had a lot of reaction from uh, things I brought up about Dr. Lou and Anthony Fauci and people, oh my God, I can't believe that. And yet now we have mainstream people, uh, Rand Paul, Anthony Fauci, other, or Rand Paul and uh, Tucker Carlson talking about this, that Anthony Fauci, why isn't he under criminal investigation? We got all kinds of people died because of this and they, and I'm going to tell you a little bit later why they didn't have to die. On the Fauci question, Carlson cited an article by Nicholas Wade. It's a big article, kind of a hot article in the New York Times right now. He lays out the evidence behind the theory that COVID originated in and escaped from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. It did not come out of a animal market where Chinese buy animals to eat. According to Carlson, Wade presents insurmountable evidence that COVID originated in the lab where scientists were conducting, listen to this, U.S. taxpayer-funded gain-of-function experiments. Who approved that funding? None other than yours truly, the lab rat Fauci. Carlson said Wade made it clear, this is Wade for the New York Times, he's a writer for the New York Times, made it clear that many, more than any other single living American, Tony Fauci is responsible for the COVID-19 pandemic. pandemic all right so uh i'm just looking for another now i i've uh i want to 
see if I can get to an article that I wrote. And, uh, oh, well, here we go. I'm just going to pull it up here. And I'm going to put, there's been an obsessive media focus on COVID lockdowns, policies, and closures. However, there's been only a glance at the human toll and tragedies these policies have wrought. Sam Rayburn said any jackass can kick down a barn, but it takes a good carpenter to build one. A government jackass has been loosed in America. Stay-at-home orders, closing businesses and schools, restrictions on gatherings, shutting off, shutting of arts and sports, restrictions on medical services, and stopping outdoor activities all wrecked the nation and its everyday people. America was strong and optimistic with a record stock market, lowest unemployment in history. Companies were expanding and returning to the homeland. People were prospering like never before. Then COVID was used to bring chaos, division, and financial disaster. Here's the collateral damage from destroying the nation to kill a mouse. The U.S. had over 81,000 drug overdose deaths in the 12 months ending May 2020 the highest number ever recorded in a 12-month period. From just January 2020 to March 2020, 19,416 people died from drug overdoses, 3,000 more than in 2019 with the same quarter. Synthetic opioid-related overdose deaths increased 38.4% in the 12-month period leading up to May 2020 compared with the previous 12-month period. According to National Institute of Mental Health in 2018, patients visiting the ER for opioid overdoses are 100 times more likely to die by drug overdose in the year after being discharged. They are 18 times more likely to die by suicide relative to the general population. During the late, uh, during late June 2020, 40% of all U.S. adults re- reported to be struggling with mental health or substance abuse. Reported symptoms symptoms of anxiety were three times higher than they were in number two quarter 2019. And reported symptoms of depression were four times higher than they were in the second quarter of 2019. Of adults surveyed in 2020, 10.7% had thoughts of suicide compared to 4.3% in 2018. For individuals 18 to 24, 25.5%, that's one out of four, considered suicide in 2020. Between April and October, the portion of emergency visits resulted related to mental health for children 5 to 11 increased by 24% and 31% for 12 to 17-year-olds compared to 2019. The Urban Institute reports that between May 25 and April 10th, nearly one-third of adults, 31%, reported that their families could not pay the rent, mortgage, or utility bills were food insecure and went without medical care because of the cost. Pew Research found that 52% of 18 to 29-year-olds were living with their parents as of July 2020, 47% in February 2020, a record number that surpasses the 48% living with their parents in 1940 during the Great Depression. America went from pre-COVID record low low unemployment to the highest increase in unemployment in April 2020 since 1948 when records began to be capped. Between March 25 and April 10, 41.5% of non-elderly 
adults reported having lost jobs, reduced work hours, or had less income because of COVID-19. In March 2020, 39% of people living with a household income of $40,000 or below reported job losses. Mothers of children aged 12 and under lost 2.2 million jobs between February and August of 2020. It's a 12% drop. While fathers of small children lost 870,000 jobs, uh, one out of four women who were surveyed reported their job loss was due to lack of child care. JAMA, Journal of American Medical Association, November 2020, predicts a decrease in life expectancy by 5.53 million years of life for U.S. children due, due to the closing of U.S. primary schools. The United Nations estimates that 24 million children worldwide may drop out of school next year as a result of the lockdown's economic impact. Glassdoor, it's a magazine, April 2020, said 30,806 internships were lost, a decrease of 52% between March 9 and April 13. I'm not going to cover all those details, but they go in architecture, engineering, telecommunications, accounting, legal, JAMA Research says diagnosis for six cancers, breast, colorectal, lung, pancreatic, gastric, and esophageal, declined 46% compared to 2018. Breast cancer diagnosis dropped 51.8% compared to 2018. Why? They couldn't get appointments. Compared to pre-COVID, Medical University of South Carolina dropped from 20 stroke-related calls each day or 550 a month, to about nine in mid-April. There was a 38% increase in STEMI treatments. Those are heart treatments in nine major hospitals across the U.S. Cardiovascular disease is a leading cause of death in the U.S. Premature cardiovascular disease and stroke mortality costs $137.5 billion in lost revenue, lost productivity, and we just, those people wouldn't even come to the doctor. In general, people quit going to the doctor because offices were closed, procedures were postponed, or patients were afraid to get COVID. The, Anthony Fauci scared them to death, literally. And people like Dr. Lou lecturing people. That fear was instilled by those who once were thought trustworthy, the medical profession. Never again in my lifetime or your lifetime will you trust a medical doctor the way you once did because you've been lied to and the ones who know that what's been done is wrong will not speak up. That's no different than the Jews going in trains and cattle trucks hauled away from their homes. No one said a thing. And for, for decades we have criticized them in the West and we are doing exactly the same thing. We've watched our neighbors get sick and die from uh, mismanagement, m malpractice, and the dictatorial uh, rulings of Dr. Liu. People quit going to the hospital, to the doctor, because offices were closed, procedures were postponed, and parents were, patients were afraid to get COVID. That fear, that fear, that fear, fear was instilled in the United States of America, and it still reigns. That fear was instilled by those who once were thought trustworthy. What are people fearing? They're not just fearing getting COVID. They did fear that at one time until people educated them. What are they fearing? They're fearing now to be canceled. They're fearing losing their job. 
They're fearing if they don't wear a mask, they'll lose your job. They're fearing if they don't take a vaccine. I just heard where businesses now were offering money, and, and, and I've heard this over and over again. They're getting spiffs. Uh, one place get, will you, give you a free beer if you can take a vaccine. There's all kinds of these spiffs now that if you'll take the vaccine. They're just begging you to take the vaccine. Listen, these are all PR uh, efforts not to save anybody's life, not to that's not going to stop COVID. It has nothing to do with stopping COVID. It's all about money and it's all about control. Every year, you, you know, you remember when you started out in life, you used to get a few vaccines if you're as old as I am. Now they want to give you shots every single year. It's just, it's a Frankenstein style medicine. And unless people don't stand up, uh, I'm going to tell you, talk about it when I come back from this next break about what's going on in Orange County, uh, where a thousand people, I want you to think about, have you ever been to a board of supervised meeting where you were the only one there almost thousand people showed up down there at Orange County. I'll talk about it when we get back. Be right back. Your baby's out running around hanging with the crowd. Just this past weekend, I witnessed the injurious ignorance of my local park and recs department in Johnson County, North Carolina. I am a baseball coach for 11 and 12 year olds, and I signed up to coach baseball, not to enforce lunatic face mask regulations as strictly as the most religious zealot. I have on numerous occasions informed the league that I will not force my players to wear masks because that is a medical decision the player's parents must determine. Again, I'm a coach, not a physician. Now, despite the obvious lack of laws, federal, local, state, or otherwise, the athletic director and many of his subordinates have chosen to go to war with me, my prepubescent team members, and their parents. Now, they've chose to do so despite a tragic accident whereby a player was inhibited by a mask, which in turn caused a mouth and dental injuries. So I'm calling on my sheriff for simple protection from this unlawful harassment of city workers. I'm asking him to make good on the following statement that we at Institute on the Constitution will be releasing in full version very soon as a template for others to use as an appeal to their local sheriffs. We are requesting in urgent that our sheriffs definitively declare as the elected sheriff of my county I've taken an oath before the Supreme Judge of the Universe to keep the peace and to secure, defend, and protect the people of this jurisdiction from threats to their liberties, their livelihoods, and the peaceable enjoyment of their property. The nature of that solemn oath requires that the actions of the sheriff in the performance of his duty must conform to the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of my own state. And these documents are the supreme law of the land and describe the powers entrusted to civil government by the consent of the people. They also provide limits to those powers which are absolute, permanent, and perpetual. In March of last year, the governor of this state issued executive orders closing businesses, churches, schools, even parks and recreation departments, denying the people of their state their God-given and constitutionally protected right to travel, to worship, to assemble, to exercise personal autonomy respecting wearing face masks or medical devices. When these directives were first issued, they were accompanied by statements indicating 
that they were an attempt to deal with a medical catastrophe and were expected to extend for only 14 days. Despite several judicial rulings that these measures lack constitutional authority, the governor has expanded and extended these orders for more than 14 months. During this time, there has been a coordinated and constant effort by media and some government agencies to justify the suspension or denial of God-given, constitutionally protected rights under a plea of emergency. But this is precisely what is forbidden by the Constitution of the United States. Moreover, the Constitution of my state provides that all lawmaking power is vested in our state legislature and further provides that the powers and authorities of one branch of government shall not be discharged by an official from a different branch. Lawmaking power being thus vested in the legislature, the governor has no constitutional authority to make law. Therefore, the edicts of the governor or a health department subordinate whether they are characterized as mandates, orders, proclamations, or directives, are not law and cannot be lawfully enforced. In point of fact, no governor, state agency, or local recreation worker has the authority to suspend the Constitution. Any attempt by a governor to suspend constitutional rights is an act of lawlessness and a violation of his or her own oath of office. When I took my oath of office as a sheriff, I swore obedience and fidelity to the United States Constitution and the constitution of this state. I did not swear allegiance to a mayor or a governor or a health department bureaucrat. Fidelity to my oath requires that I abstain from enforcing any edict or order from a governor or any executive which lacks constitutional authority. Moreover, my sworn duty requires that I resist such edicts and orders and act in such a manner as to shelter and protect the citizenry from all acts of lawlessness, even and especially when they originate from civil authorities. The people of my county are entitled to the protection of their God-given and constitutionally protected rights. As the elected chief law enforcement official of this jurisdiction, it is my responsibility, duty, and privilege to do everything in my lawful power to protect, defend, and secure these rights. And I fully intend to. Now this letter is just one of many solutions using local government by way of the sheriff that can help us in times like this. And we fully intend to unveil a full course letter that you can go to instituteontheconstitution.com and have access to and send to your local sheriff. This is Jake McCauley with the Institute on the Constitution, bringing you the American view. What about you, Nick? Huh? Do you ever feel any longings to return to your home? Back to the ancient cultures and traditions? Back to the shrines and temples of your ancestors? Back to the terraced hillsides and the cherry trees? I was born in Omaha. <laughs> We got a city in Nebraska, sounds just like that. <laughs> hey, what are you doing? What is, what is this? That's my lunch. Smells like garbage. Garbage? Are you kidding? This is a Japanese delicacy. Fish heads, uh, cabbage leaves, uh, uh, cucumber rinds, uh, yeah, celery chops. It's terrific. Come to think of it, that is garbage. <laughs>
to talk about Orange County. Orange County used to be one of the uh, strongholds of conservatism in California, but it has turned bluish. And they're having a struggle on voting conservatives into power down there. But on this COVID stuff, they got some powerhouses down there. And one of them is uh, Peggy Hall, and she runs an organization called TheHealthyAmerican.org. TheHealthyAmerican.org. Now, everybody ought to go and just like that and join that that uh, Facebook page and website. I, I don't know of many websites that have the kind of resources, whether it's videos that she's made, educating you on your rights, the law, what the law says, not what politicians say what the law says. Uh, she's very sharp. She spent 30 years in education at U- University of California, Irvine. She's a researcher. She's not a doctor, but she's a researcher, and she's a very bright person. So uh, she and Lee Dundas, who is a human rights attorney, they both are uh, blonde ladies, and they could be sisters, but they aren't. But thankfully for people in Orange County, they have both those ladies working for them as volunteers in Orange County to beat back some of this COVID nonsense, whether it's forcing people to wear a mask or social distance or not go to the beach or all the nonsense we put up with for 16 months. Uh, So, you know, if you've ever been to a supervisor's meeting, they, they have a clock and they they usually set the clock for three minutes. And so uh, each person was supposed to get three minutes who wanted to speak. You have to sign a card saying your name and maybe even your address, and I'd like to speak, and they usually ask you the topic. And you can speak in an open forum, but they, they are not required to comment on it or vote on it because it's not on the agenda. But you can just bring up the topic. Now, what was on the topic over, over this time uh, was the vaccine passport developing a countywide vaccine passport. So you're going to be limited on where you could go in the county if you didn't possess, unless you didn't get a, unless you got a shot and then got the vaccine passport, you couldn't just come and go as you please. So uh, normally they got three minutes to speak each person, but because It says over a thousand people showed up to the meeting and close to 800 estimated put their names in to speak. So 800 people of the thousand signed up to actually speak. So instead of a three minute uh, time limit, they gave 60 seconds. Then they finally reduced it to 15 seconds. Uh, That's all they were going to give you. About all you could do is say, my name is Lou Benninger. No. I vote no, right? So midway through the procession of speakers, the board passed a resolution to pause the vaccine verification or passport program. So people, you can make a difference, right? They showed up. Obviously, they couldn't even all fit in there. So you had they signed up, and then they slipped in there to speak. 
so the county so the county uh, this is the county where former Yuba County health officer Nicole Quick went down there to be their uh, health officer and then she quit in the midst of a fight over masks she quit her job as the health health officer for Orange County and then she continued on working for the Orange County Health Department in some capacity well then they put a health officer Chow C H A O C H A U and Chow began to work on this resolution to um have a vaccine verification passport program. So it looks to me like they've held it off for the time being, but this shows you that instead of staying home, if you'll go to the meeting and you will uh, tell your story for three minutes or for one minute, or finally they just change their views on it, uh, you can, you can make a difference. So in uh, the healthy American dot org she has some great resources so if you're in a county uh different from orange county she's put together on her website board of supervisors talking points prepared by peggy hall the health and healthy american.org so number one i'm just going to read a couple of them i'm not going to read them all but i'll give you an idea number one Digital vaccine passports of any kind are discriminatory against those based on their medical status, religious beliefs, and more. Requiring a vaccine as a condition to participate in society is unlawful, immoral, unethical, unthinkable. Number two, private businesses are not above the law and they are prohibited from implementing any such verification program as a condition of doing business. So it's interesting. Some businesses are giving like $100, $150 if you go get the vaccine. Why wouldn't they say to some babe that's 250 pounds, 300 pounds, if you lose 150 pounds, we'll give you $150, right? Why don't you tell somebody that they're smoking two or three packs a day? If you quit smoking, we'll give you $100, right? Instead, they are giving people money to comply with something that may take their life. Number three, we are demanding that this board, as a board of supervisors, publicly state its opposition to the vaccine passport. Number two, cancel uh, the Athena contract, which was unlawfully approved and prohibit businesses from requiring a vaccine verification to get service. It says government code 12926Q protects one's religious liberty and practice, including the ability to not participate in practices that violate one's sincerely held religious beliefs. Government Code 37,100 states that no county, municipality, or legislative body may pass or enforce a law that violates the laws of this state or the laws of the United States. Number six, it is unlawful, unethical, immoral, and unthinkable to state that private businesses can require a vaccine passport or vaccine verification as a condition for conducting business. Is, even, is it even possible that you are this ignorant of the law? Civil Code California 
Code 51, all persons within the jurisdiction of this state are free and equal, and no matter what their sex, race, color, religion, ancestry, national origin, disability, medical condition, genetic information, marital status, sexual orientation, citizenship, primary language, or immigration status, are entitled to the full and equal accommodations, advantages, facilities, privileges, or service in all business establishments of every kind whatsoever. No talk of masks there. Everybody's got to have access. So on and on it goes. She lists about 12 different items here. And uh, if you want them from me, you can just text me and say you, you want those 12 items. I can cut and paste them and put them in an email. But I'd like you to join up with the healthyamerican.org and send her a donation and help her because she's doing great work all over the country. People are tapping in and getting help from her all over the country. Now, there's a lot of nonsense uh, being um, said out there. So the CDC, the latest from the CDC, is that fully vaccinated people, do you know that rarely, if ever, if you get a vaccination, you end up getting sick later on from the same ailment that you were vaccinated against? In other words, the vaccine shouldn't cause problems. It says fully vaccinated people don't have to wear masks inside a building. Now, is this stupid to you? The mask, remember I said that the mask has never had any research with COVID, but we know the size of the COVID germ or droplet, and it goes right through a mask. So it says the U.S. Centers for Disease Control Prevention on May 13th eased mask wearing guidance and said that people vaccinated against COVID-19 can stop wearing masks inside in most places. You see other controls coming on. They're letting us take a step back, but really they're wanting masks in a lot of places. Totally a crock. So it says anyone who is fully vaccinated can participate in indoor and outdoor activities, large and small, without wearing a mask or physical distancing. If you are fully vaccinated, according to Dr. Rochelle Walensky, if you're fully vaccinated, you can start doing the things that you had stopped doing because of the pandemic. We are have all longed for the moment when we can get back to some sense of normalcy. Now, we're not going back to normal. They're, they're going to make you pay for normal. So that means getting inoculated once a year. Because they're going to come up, even if you have a severe reaction to the vaccine, they're going to blame that on the, the new strain of COVID. They're not going to blame that on the, the vaccine. Uh, so anyway, let me tell you a little bit about the vaccine. Let me just see if I can get it here. So the vaccine is helping people make a lot of money. Oh, here, here's, let, let me, let's just do that. Since we're on Fauci and, uh, Tucker Carlson has been taking the task. So it says the government's near complete lack of guidance and research on treatment options for COVID 
apart from vaccines, is unconscionable. Listen to the words now. Unconscionable. In other words, it has to do with your conscience. That has to do with you have a moral right to slice and dice which laws or which commands in the military you believe are lawful, right? This is a University of Wisconsin critical care specialist, Dr. Pierre Corey. Check this out. Since the first day, hold on, I got problems with this computer. Since the first day of the declared corona pandemic, doctors faithful to their Hippocratic oath have been searching for and identifying effective COVID-19 treatments. Do you remember a female doctor, Dr. Merritt, M-E-R-R-I-T or I-T-T, M-E-R-R-I-T or I-T-T? Dr. Merritt, very bright woman, doesn't just simply have a medical degree. She said, you don't need a vaccine when you have medications. You create vaccines when you don't have any medication to address the problem. Smallpox, no medication. Polio, no medication, right? So in mid-December, Peter McCullough, doctor, vice chief of internal medicine at Baylor University, and three other experts outlined safe and available treatment for the Senate Influential Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee. University of Wisconsin critical care specialist Dr. Pierre Corey followed up with more discussion of viable COVID treatments on December 8th in an appearance before the same committee. However, as Children's Health Defense Chairman Robert F. Kennedy Jr. observed during a March 2021 conversation with McCullough, we've seen this very strange conflict that many of those treatments that could have saved lives instead of being promoted and investigated and studied by the health authorities are instead being sabotaged and made inaccessible. The real risk is the way they manage COVID, not medications that I took 30 years ago for uh, malaria. The government's near complete lack of guidance and research on treatment options apart from vaccines is unconscionable, Corey said. The tragic fallout of this government strategy is now becoming apparent in a recent working paper analyzing the determinants of COVID-19 fatalities the authors, Michigan State University economics professor Mark Skidmore and co-author Hedeki Toya, estimated if the U.S. had made hydroxychloroquine widely available early on, it could have saved 80 to 100,000 lives. McCullough had already reached similar conclusions when he told senators in November the U.S. could have saved half of the lives lost if COVID treatment protocols had not been squelched. By March, McCullough had revised the estimate upward, asserting that as many as 85% of COVID deaths could have been prevented through early treatment. So here's some, some of the treatments. Very, very simple. Hydroxychloroquine. Budesonide, ivermectin, as well as positive results from judicious use of supplements and therapies such as C, D, 
B1 thiamine, zinc, iodine, and nebulized hydrogen peroxide. They also noticed that some of the interventions function equally well as prophylaxis. So uh, it's just so interesting that uh, the medications that have been around for generation after generation after generation now aren't worth aren't, aren't worth the dime that lays next to them on the street. According to these doctors, they're not worth anything. They've been used for years safely. They've been approved for years safely. And all of a sudden, they remember Fauci said, oh, it's dangerous. We, we don't, you know, we don't have any test studies. The guy, you know, you know the reason? They did not want, Fauci and his big pharma people did not want a simple solution. Then people wouldn't get the vaccine. Big Pharma doesn't get paid unless they get grants from the United States taxpayer. They do not. They make money on the vaccines. With no liability. Do you know that that's been voted on twice and they have immunity to create creating bad vaccines or any kind of pharmaceutical drug? And it ends up doing damage to somebody's life. You realize that they're immune. It's crazy. And so if something bad happens to you by one of these injections, you can sue the United States government. But you cannot sue Big Pharma. I have some figures that Big Pharma leaders cashed in on insider trading that make your head swim. So. As for hydroxychloroquine, uh, the studies consistently show positive effects with early treatment and appropriate dosing. There are many indications that uh, micronutrient deficiencies, including deficiencies of vitamin D and B1, may make some individuals vulnerable to COVID and its complications. Let's see. Anyway, we got all kinds of people said under the under the law, the Food and Drug Administration is not allowed to award emergency use authorization. You've probably seen these initials in articles about the vaccine. The initials are EUA. The FDA is not allowed to award EUA status to vaccines or other approved medical products unless the agency determines that there are no adequate approved and available alternatives. So there's all kinds of people now giving out these products. So 4,178 individuals have died following, following the COVID vaccine as of May 3rd. And reports of injuries are flooding in from all over the nation and the world, highlighting serious problems such as blood clots, Goulang-Barre syndrome, heart inflammation, and neurological disorders. Some people are not unreasonably comparing 
COVID vac- vaccination to Russian roulette. Uh, you can probably pick this article up at Children's Health Defense Fund, either com or org. I'm going to take a break. Be right back. Do you miss teaching at all? Yes and no. Uh, Teaching as it is today, no. Uh, Teaching as it was when I started out in 1962 at a little college in New Jersey, I really loved it. I mean, uh, uh, the... uh, when I taught my last class at the end of the week, I would be looking, for, looking forward to the next class the following uh, Monday. Over the years, the academic world changed drastically. Uh, and uh, now when I got the offer from the Hoover Institution, which, which involved no teaching at all, I said, this is it. It's sad in a sense. There, there are many people out there who may well have wanted to teach but the conditions of teaching at many universities became such that it was, it was just not worth the bother. What's one of those conditions that changed that uh, turned you off from teaching? I think the attitude of the uh, students, the students, the faculty, and the administration, uh, which doesn't leave much else. <laughs> oh, the, the, the students uh, really uh, began to think uh, that, uh, that if they showed up for class, that, that a B was like a constitutional right. Uh, I would get students who could come to me at the beginning of the class and say, you know, I'm a graduating senior. And I said, you believe in predestination. Uh, But they thought it was my responsibility to see that they graduated. Uh, I never took that view. So academia, there's a kind of, there's a corrupting influence here. They get money to a large extent from government, all the student loans. All of it with the government is redistributing income from ordinary working Joes to fancy professors, fundamentally, is what's going on and has been going on for decades, correct? Yeah, and, and, and of course to the students. And to the students. Who, who, who riot when, 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 when not enough of the taxpayers' money is, is given to them. Has academia in America become, I don't even know quite how to ask the question, has it become more irresponsible? Did it reach a low point in the 60s and it's been recovering since? How do you think of it in those terms? Well, I, th- I, I, I think it, it was a break point in the 60s. Uh, I'm not sure it's recovered. I know in the 70s there was a lot of self-congratulation that we no longer have violence on campus. Uh, yes, the campus was, was, was quiet, but it was the quiet of surrender mm-hmm. because people who would uh, cause people to riot were not invited on campus. People who would antagonize the students by their viewpoints were not hired as professors. One of the reasons uh, why a few years ago when... Uh, the think tanks of the world were ranked, and I, Hoover was ranked number one. But most of the leading think tanks uh, and those rankings were conservative think tanks. And I think there's a very simple reason for it. The kinds of uh, top scholars who would normally be in academia were not in academia. And this is one of the places they could go and work uh, with the kind of freedom that academic uh, tenure is supposed to provide, but doesn't. I mean, I've advised some young people, uh, do not go into, t- into t- teaching in public schools because uh, uh, the odds are so stacked against you. And people can write bad references from you, for you, especially when you're young and, and, you, and what they say about you is all that someone sees. 
Now, by the time I was uh, teaching at some of these schools, I remember one place where the department chairman used to threaten one of my colleagues that he wouldn't write good references for him. I had, I, I had uh, you know, I'd, I'd published stuff while I was still in graduate school. I had Milton Friedman and uh, Joyce Thaler to write references for me. What this guy said there as chairman of the department wouldn't, wouldn't matter a bit. But, but most people don't, don't have that uh, situation. Yeah. And so you, you, have to pick your, you have to pick your face. The no child left behind thing with Bush. Mm -hmm. There are kids who go to school to raise hell, and a, and a handful of those can prevent the whole class from learning anything. Now, the logical thing would be to separate those kids out uh, and let the ones who want to learn something, learn something. You yeah. can't do that because the ideology mm -hmm. says no. And so, and so you sacrifice whole generations of poor and minority kids for this ideology and this utopian notion. Yeah, and we, and we end up in an odd dystopia, probably. Yeah, and Milton Friedman used to say, uh, the best is the enemy of the good. Yeah. And of course, it would be better if everybody could be educated at the same time. It can't be done. We're raising whole generations uh, who, 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 who regard facts as more or less optional. Um, you have kids in, the, in, the, in elementary school who are being urged to take stands on political issues, to write letters to congressmen and presidents about nuclear energy. You know, you know they're not, even, not a decade old, and they're, and they're being thrown these kinds of questions that could uh, absorb the lifetime of a very brilliant and learned man. Uh, and they're, and they're, they're being taught that it's important to have views and they're not being taught that it's important to know what you're talking about. It's important to hear the opposite viewpoint, and more important, to learn how to distinguish whether, why viewpoint A and viewpoint B are different and which one has the most evidence or logic behind it. They disregard that. They hear something, and they hear some rhetoric, and they run with it. Think about this. In just four months, the U.S. turned into an obedient socialist country. The government tells us which events are acceptable and unacceptable to attend. But violent-based protests, those are safe. But attending functions such as church, weddings, funerals, and other family-based events, those aren't safe. And most of the country bought this without question. My church right down the street, the church is closed right now and the pastor is doing his sermons from home. But every Saturday, the parking lot is filled with people. There is a farmer's market there every Saturday in the parking lot. It just doesn't make sense. It's not okay. So we're talking about the, the inoculation, this experimental inoculation. There's no law that says you have to take this. It's not even been approved by the Federal Drug uh, Food and Drug Association Administration. 
Dr. Paul Alexander recently expressed major concern about giving children the experimental shots, describing the lopsided risk-benefit calculus. In addition to children's almost zero risk of COVID infection, why would you take a vaccine when you don't you don't have any risk of the infection? It's crazy. Alexander pointed pointedly called attention to the fact that vaccine manufacturers have completely have complete immunity from legal liability for COVID vaccine related deaths and injuries. Alarmingly, the FDA ignored Alexander's concerns and had just amended its authorization of the Pfizer vaccine to permit its emergency use with children as young as 12. Why would you do that to a child that is never going to get it, even without the vaccine? This is about something really evil, people. Notwithstanding the growing number of injuries being reported in older teens. For example, a 17-year-old high school athlete athlete in Utah was hospitalized with blood clots in the brain following his first Pfizer injection. Although high school student, another high school student afflicted with seizures and blood clots after receiving the Johnson and Johnson vaccine has all already occurred. <clears throat> Uh, incurred health care costs of over one half million dollars. Under the guise of consumer protection and false marketing, the government appears to be doubling down on its suppression of non-vaccine approaches to COVID. In other words, just give people a little medicine. This is the first time that I know of that there's been a full-out blitz to shut people and cancel people that spoke up against the COVID plague, spoke up against the mandated uh, care of patients that killed. There, There is no reason people should have died on this, the average people, without a bunch of comorbidities or other, other difficulties. So there's been a scam all the way along, and people are getting paid off left and right from the f- big pharma says, giving these and other micronutrients have been uncontroversially recommended for years for influenza, common cold, and respiratory infections. The motives for the clampdown cannot be taken at face value. In other words, there's some corruption going on. Here it talks about another article. It says, FDA, Food and Drug Administration, monitoring for facial paralysis after COVID vaccines. Anybody out there have any of these problems? It's a long article by Dr. Joseph Mercola. He's been writing about COVID a lot. Said during phase three clinical trials, the mRNA COVID-19 vaccines, more cases of facial paralysis occurred in the vaccine group compared to the placebo group, one out of 35,611 leading the FDA to recommend monitoring vaccine recipients for facial paralysis. A case, I'll just, I'm just going to pick some high points here. A case report described a 57-year-old woman with a history of Bell's palsy. That's a uh, deadening of one side of the face, numbing of one side of the face for a time. Who developed the condition less than 36 hours after receiving her second dose of Pfizer. Bell's palsy has previously been noted as a complication of meningococcal hepatitis B, small 
pox and influenza vac- vaccination. Uh, media is featuring a near 24-7 stream of propaganda encouraging the public to get a COVID-19 vaccine. Most of the advertisements make no mention of the possible adverse effects. It's like, hey, we're take- you should take it. Even though you're healthy, you should take it to save your grandma. It's just total nonsense. Only stupid people would go along with that. Okay, here, here's some. So, by March 9, this is a voluntary uh, base or a database of complaints or negative reactions. So, when it's voluntary you're always going to have an undercount. But by March 9, 2021, researchers identified 844 facial paralysis-related events, including others like 168 cases of facial paresis, 25 cases of facial spasms, 13 cases of facial nerve disorders. You know, it's interesting. Back when I started... uh, drinking alcohol in the high school years and then started to use some drugs in the senior in high school. Some adults who just drank alcohol for to get a buzz on used to make comments like, how do you even know whatever you're using? How do you know what that stuff is? In other words, do you, there's no label. How do you know what it is? You're going to just put that in your body and make you feel good, right? That that was one of the adult arguments for young people not doing drugs. And we turn right around and we put these quote-unquote vaccine, which is it's a lie. It's not a vaccine. And there's no guarantee that will stop you from getting COVID again. And, and in fact, it's so flaky that they want you to wear a mask, which is just complete fraud. It's nonsense. But but big pharma is making billions and billions of dollars off this. So this says tens of, tens of thousands of lives could have been saved if research on COVID treatments hadn't been suppressed. Why did they suppress it? Because as Dr. Merritt says, you don't need... You don't need a vaccine when you have medication. And that's what that's what we we uh, Simone Gold, which we were trying to get to the pre and brave conference here in the, in the on the twenty first to the twenty third. Simone Gold, I watched her speak for an hour at Rodney Howard Brown's church in Florida, and she told how she had been treating COVID patients at the emergency room with hydroxychloroquine and a couple other items, <clears throat> and in twenty four hours, their symptoms. Uh, subsided and they felt lots better just in 24 hours yet she was called on the carpet and warned that she the insurance companies did not want her to give hydroxychloroquine that they wanted her to give what the insurance companies wanted to treat people with and and the hospital would be richly rewarded 
And she said, well, when did we start doing corporate medicine? Because when you take the Hippocratic Oath, it's really given the oath is taken by an individual, not by a corporation, not by a company. So doctors really practice an individual type uh, discernment, diagnosis, and practice. They do not, it isn't like a group think thing. So she began to give things like hydroxychloroquine, budesonide, ivermectin with positive results and using therapies like vitamin C, vitamin D, B1, thiamine, zinc, iodine, hydrogen peroxide, nebulized hydrogen peroxide, in other words, breathing it in. And she was fired from both her, Simone Gold was fired by both her emergency room uh, practices. Total ripoff. She is an attorney and she's also a doctor practicing both. Pretty amazing. Well, I want to, uh, let's see where I am here. I want to mention some of the guys that are helping uh, me. I've mentioned Dr. Cassidy earlier. And uh, the other the other person that I recommend, because I don't recommend people usually use attorney, they're too expensive and they don't tell the truth. And uh, so Nellie, uh, Nellie Garcia at North Valley Paralegal, she's over at 751 Sutter Street in Yuba City. She's at 530-751-9289, 530-751-9289. She's a paralegal, and she's also going to law school to be an attorney, but right, she's been a paralegal for years at North Valley, owns North Valley Paralegal, and so she saved people lots of money and simplified a lot of procedures, legal procedures, instead of getting into these adversarial battles with your ex or with a company or whatever. So go check her out. She's at the base of the 10th Street Bridge and uh, easy to get to from either county. Also, uh, plumbing doctor, 671-9111-530, area code 530 By the way, if you're a good plumber looking for, even if you wanted to do a few hours a week, a couple days a week, you could get a job at the plumbing doctor. Maybe you retired from union plumbing or you did this or you did that, but you're bored to tears. If you want to do a little work for the plumbing doctor, they're looking for work. 530-671-9111. Also, Elite Universal Securities looking for workers. Everybody's looking for workers. Where are they? They're staying home because they got if the government pays more than the average person can earn, particularly after you take all the taxes out. People are not going to go back to work. But Monty Hecker at Elite Universal Security is looking for some good, honest, wholesome people. And you can reach him at 530-749-0280, 530-749-0280. You can also get your concealed weapon permit through Elite Universal Security. You can work all over Northern California for them. You don't have to live in Yuba County, Sutter County. You can just be up in Northern California and look see where the closest spot they're doing work they'll teach you how to do with their uh how to do the occupation they're pitching uh and and let's see finally green it's construction green with etz on the end uh they are the best 
bathroom kitchen remodeling operation in the uh, two counties here. They stay stick around here to do their work. Um, you could check out their work at greenitzconstruction.com or at Dave Greenitz Construction Facebook page. And uh, if you want to just be bold, you can dial them up at 530-682-9602. That's a phone number that you can text. But I would recommend it. we have a little quiet time. Go check out their before and after pictures on both of those platforms, greenitzconstruction.com uh, or at uh, Dave Greenitz Construction Facebook page. Check it out, and uh, you may have to wait a little bit for him to get to you and get the get the job evaluated, bid, and started. But once once you get connected to Dave Greenitz, he's going to stick with you till the end, finish it on time, clean uh, to your satisfaction. You're either going to be pleased or ain't nobody going to be pleased. So those are some of the people that are keeping us going here. We appreciate it very much. Um, so lots of lives could have been saved if they would have just let doctors do what doctors do. And they look for the best solutions to the person's health crisis. And they are not mandated what they can and can't do by the U S government. And I've told this before, my doctor friends in this area could not allow COVID patients in their business because if they came in. Dr. Liu was insisting that the doctors and the staff would all have to go home and be quarantined, even though none of them were sick. Now, that is, that's a way to break a, a nation. That is not the way to stop a, uh, a virus. So this is an article on, uh, talks about young people pay the price for COVID lockdowns. Now, uh, I've seen a lot of people pass through and go come to church of glad tidings where I attend. And a lot of them are young people that were involved in somewhere in the world with missions or something that everything got shut down. And, uh, so this article, this article is written. Let's see if I can find an, an author for you. I think it's up here. Samuel Mangold Lynette. Very good article. He says, America's, Samuel says, America's response to COVID-19 has proven to be more harmful to young people than the virus itself. Now, I've been saying that all along. I've been telling the supervisors that all along for 16 months, that the cure is worse than the virus itself. It will kill you. The virus is not going to kill you. Something like 94.8 or 98.4% of all people survive the oldest person to the youngest person survive adults young adults and children are almost 100 percent immune says many adults are opting out of pursuing post-secondary education and experiencing prolonged bouts of unemployment thanks to changes brought about by the pandemic as a result there will be long-term economic and health consequences Un, un, undergraduate, I had just talked to a lady today who uh, they switched to online schooling. She said, Lou, I just, I'm not going to do that. I want to go to class. She said, this says under, 
undergraduate enrollments for spring 2021 across the country have decreased by nearly 6% compared to spring 2020. Registration in overall post-secondary education, including trade or vocational schools, is down 4.2%. The number of traditional college age students, 18 to 20, enrolling in undergraduate undergraduate programs has shrunk by a little over 7%. American society still relies heavily on credentialism for career advancement, and the fact of the matter is many opportunities simply don't exist for people without college degrees. So uh, anyways, talking about young people who delay their vocational training or college education will likely begin their careers later in life. That they've been led astray by all these health officers. They've been led astray. And their years and their futures have been damaged by all this nonsense. So this fellow uh, youth unemployment remains very high. You know, not, not under Trump. Now it does. According to Bureau of Labor, Labor and Statistics, an additional 8.7% of 20 to 29-year-olds with bachelor's degree were unemployment employed compared to the previous year. The unemployment rate for recent high school graduates without college was nearly 20%. He says the data is in, and it tells us that the government-mandated lockdowns ended more lives than they saved. Not only is there simple evidence illustrating how the lockdowns were ineffective at saving lives and slowing the spread, but the massive social and economic upheaval caused by the lockdowns also caused a litany of other societal issues. Over the last year, substance abuse-related deaths have reached an all-time high, according to this author. Youth suicides have increased. And fewer Americans have been screened for cancer, thus increasing the likelihood of a terminal di- diagnosis at a later date. For this, young people's education and careers are being sacrificed. Income and education also affects one's life expectancy. Expectancy. It is projected that the disruption these policies have caused will take years off the lifespan of this generation of young adults. Our peers are getting dumber and dying as a result of bad policies. Younger generations and older ones alike must oppose the political malpractice of perpetuating the panic. I don't think that's any different we've been saying all along. Okay. There's, you can all, almost every week, you can see people leaving California. People just sold their house right across the street. They fixed it up. It was a rental. They fixed it up, lived in it for a few months, sold it, moved to Idaho. They were great people. Both worked, had great jobs the whole time they were here, but moved out for various reasons. We're going to take a break right now, and we're going to end our fifth uh, segment in just a minute.
What if before I could get my TV show, I had to first get permission from the competition? If Dan Rather or Diane Sawyer said no, I wouldn't be here. That makes sense. R.J. Bruner of Kentucky assumed he could start a moving company without having to get his competitor's permission. We'll schedule this one and this one first. So he started one. We put an ad on Craigslist, pickup truck and an enclosed cargo trailer, and we were very, very busy all summer long. Absolutely. More people wanted your services. Yeah. Now in just a couple of years, you got 30 employees, six trucks. Over 30 now. Clean cut young guys. That really sells, you know, in the moving industry. This customer's pleased. It's been great. The guys showed up exactly on time. They've been loading, they've been working hard. But RJ soon learned that pleasing customers isn't enough. He got a threatening letter from state regulators. In order to continue to operate, we need a household goods permit. Basically, it's a certificate of necessity saying that there is room in the market for us to operate. Certificate of necessity, meaning? A necessity within the moving market in Kentucky for another mover. What? A business has to prove it's needed to get a license? You essentially have to get permission from your own competition first. Tim Sandifer's law firm took Bruner's case for free. When Starbucks began, it would have had to have gotten permission from all the other coffee shops? That's right. But if you had had to prove then that America needed a new national chain of coffee shops, you couldn't have proven that. No, we don't need that. And yet it turns out America did need a new chain of coffee shops. We know that because they are so successful. Competition sorts this stuff out better. That's right. The consumer is in the driver's seat. But not when the competition has veto power. We're worried about consumer protections. Healthy companies in Kentucky. Ryan Floda is president of the Kentucky Movers Association. He has his own moving business. Kentucky, like half the states, allows existing companies to protest new competition. And over the past five years, 19 companies were prevented from entering the moving business because competitors said the existing transportation service is adequate competition would diminish their revenues. Affordable moving, Vincent Fisher, Hall moving, all these other moving companies say, no, we don't want to allow that. Well, what gives them the right? We're not against new companies coming into Kentucky. Yes, you are. You don't want a moving company stealing your business. We don't want the scenario of a licensed company going bankrupt. But companies go bankrupt all the time. It's the end of the line for Circuit City. Borders bookstore went belly up. It's part of the creative destruction that makes competition work. Let's say a town population of 20,000 people. Would it be beneficial to the consumers to have 15 moving companies in that area? Maybe. No. How do you know? You'd have companies that are not um, in a position to provide a, a good service to the general public. The bureaucracy can't decide whether there's a public need for a new moving company. Not even the moving companies know that. They have to try it and find out by an experiment. And these laws prohibit that kind of experiment. Wouldn't Home Depot like to say, no, new hardware store in the neighborhood, you can't open. Wouldn't GM have liked to say that to Toyota and Honda? I'm sure. I'm not the one that set the law. I'm just abiding by the law. Also, he says, the older moving companies want to protect consumers from shady operators. Say I'm coming to pick up your furniture. Okay, I tell you it's $80 an hour. Well, then when I get to your new house, I say, well, you know, 
I'm going to charge you 155 an hour. Now we have this thing called the internet where people can find out if a company has a bad reputation. Consumers go for the cheapest price, John. Risa DeBeer checked the web before she hired RJ. If somebody rated a company poorly, said they didn't take care of their items, that would certainly, you know, ring some alarm bells for me. Had you had complaints from people you'd moved? No, no complaints. In fact, we are the top-ranked moving company in the state, according to Angie's List. Startups like RJ's company create much of the job growth in America. Entrepreneurs are the wealth creators of our society. They're the engine of innovation and progress and job creation and wealth creation. I assume if I want to start a business, a moving company would be a good way to enter. Simple, you just need a truck, some strength. Go compete. It should be. You buy a truck, you paint the word mover on the side of it, and you're in business. And if customers like your products and services, then they'll buy from you. And if they don't, then they won't. You now, the regulators aren't just mean. For safety in an orderly marketplace, shouldn't there be some rules? Orderly marketplaces are precisely what we don't want. What we want is a free marketplace. If we have an orderly marketplace, who's doing the ordering? It should be consumers who do the ordering. And the law stops them from doing that. Not to protect the public, but to protect established businesses against having to compete fairly. That violates liberty. These laws are outrageous and they all ought to go. today. In fact, I worked out in the heat all, all day uh, doing some uh, repair work. And uh, one of my friends reminded me that asked if I wore a hat and drank some water. And I said, well, actually, I'm not sure that I could pull that off without one of the public information officers that make about a hundred grand or so a year reminding me when I go out tomorrow morning to drink plenty of water and stay hydrated. Some, they, they like our, they replaced my mother who died many decades ago, but now I don't need a mother because I have the County who reminds me to drink water and put on a cap. Then I opened up a letter. It said from the white house and on one side, it's in American. And on the other side, it's in, in, uh, it's in Mexican. I've never seen a letter back and forth like this, just one page, but it's from the president of the United States, Joseph R. Biden, Jr., and he says, basically, I won't read the whole letter. He said, I'm pleased to inform you that because the American Rescue Plan, a direct payment of $1,400 was issued to you by direct deposit and told how concerned they were about me. Now, that's $1,400. I know what I'm going to do with that, too. Gavin Newsom facing recall. Now, this is interesting. California, this is what's confusing when they start talking about the budget. California is in billions of dollars in debt. But Gavin Newsom announced that the state expects a $15 billion surplus thanks to the stronger-than-expected revenues in 2020. The recovery of the economy and the stock market meant that the state's wealthiest taxpayers paid more than the, than the, uh, than the rest. 
So how can you have a $15 billion surplus and then you have billions of dollars in debt? It's because if it goes into one pot, they don't even consider paying off and fixing all the infrastructure. Remember that? We passed those bills years ago to fix all the infrastructure. You remember that? So Gavin Newsom, because they got more money in because of the high stock market and, and the rich people, it's interesting to me. If you talk to people on the street, you say, well, do you think the government ought to give you some money back? Yeah, we all ought to get a rebate. But the fact is most Californians don't pay any taxes. Do you know that? Most of the, the wealthy pay a lot. So if you say we're going to give the wealthy a tax break, if I'm a politician, well, everybody's mad at me because they think, well, why give the wealthy a tax break? Why not give the little guy a tax break? Well, first of all, in California, can't speak for your state you're listening from, in California, the little guy doesn't pay any income taxes. The rich people pay a, a boatload. So why shouldn't the the people paying the heavy load get some money back? They're just a human being like we're a human being. Like maybe you only maybe they make four million dollars a year, forty million dollars a year, four hundred million dollars a year. And maybe you are like these people I spoke of earlier that make less than forty thousand dollars a year. You're probably not paying any taxes once you take off all your exemptions and all that kind of stuff. So why should you get money back that you never paid in? To me, it makes sense that the wealthy should get a break because they're carrying the whole load. By the way, I just drove by Yuba College over in Sutter County. Brand new building. We over, we passed these bonds. You remember these bonds if you're in Yuba, Sutter Counties or Yolo County? We passed these bonds. And they turned around the super, the uh, trustees and finance at a incredible debt to build that Sutter campus. So I'm it's been out there a few years, right? And they shut down during COVID. I thought we got the lights on there. We're running air conditioning in there. Nobody's in there. So I'm driving by today because I I was working out farther out at the next exit. And there's a bunch of signs. The Yuba College sign is uh, the one where they had the letters on the wall of the building. A bunch of letters are just totally gone. And I thought, doesn't anybody care about that campus? They don't care about the Yuba County campus. It seems like when you look at where are the most voters in the district, because there's about five counties covered, that'd be Yuba and Sutter counties. But yet all the money, the lion's share of the money is being dumped into the campus in Woodland. It doesn't even call itself Yuba College anymore, but one to go independent, which I don't have a problem with. I just have a problem with paying for that campus over there. So the Yuba College campus is such in such bad condition after collecting millions and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars from us. They had service clubs 
and kids come over to try to improve the landscaping. Now, it's just amazing to me that they have burned up so much money they couldn't even afford a couple landscapers to keep that place really sharp. The same trees are there that were there when I went, when I went to a year of that school out there. So now we got all this infrastructure needs to be fixed, bridges and all that kind of stuff. So he's got, Newsom's got some more money than he expected than above what they expected to spend. And what's he going to do? He's going to do the same thing Joe Biden did. He's going to give us, he's going to give two thirds of the most needy workers in California, a $600 check. Now, I'll guarantee you that those that group of workers don't pay any taxes already. Now, why would he give them $600 out of uh, our taxes? Certainly, we're paying a lot of taxes at the gas pump. There's a lot of other places we pay taxes compared to just paying taxes like unemployment taxes. Or, I mean, uh, Social Security taxes or disability uh, fees and all those kind of things. We pay lots of taxes. Every time you purchase anything, you're paying a tax somewhere on that. So Gavin Newsom decides, facing a recall, that all of a sudden he's just going to send $600 out to, uh, it's called the Golden State Stimulus Plan. You think he'd be giving it? You think he'd be giving any money out if he uh, hadn't been in trouble? I doubt it. Newsom said California ha- has a s- historic $75.7 billion surplus, tens of billions of dollars larger uh, than his original $227.2 billion spending plan. Anyway, they're just going to go out and blow this money instead of doing infrastructure work or investing in something on these campuses. They're just going to blow it. That's what this is all about. I was thinking this week, since they called me an Asian racist, I'm not Asian, so racist towards Asians. In the documents that they served me with to go to court the other day, I think it mentioned four or five times about concern of Dr. Liu about Asian persecution in country. I want you to think about something. Maybe I'm the only one that thinks this way. I'm an old white guy, conservative. So... When an old white guy gets beat up somewhere in the United States or shot or burglarized and beat to death or something happens to him, I don't stay awake at night. I feel bad for him, but I'm not thinking they're, they're coming for me next. The reason I bring this up is there's no evidence in the documents that they presented me in court of Dr. Lou ever having anybody physically do anything to her or personally threaten to her or communicate in an unkindly way to her. But they call me an Asian racist in so many words. They just kind of salted those terms 
uh, in there. They didn't use the term racist, but it just uh, talked about Asian persecution. There's been an outbreak of this, all that kind of stuff. So this week I thought, well, I'm just going to show some Asians some kindness. So I went and ate Chinese food. And it was really good because I support the people to drag it in <coughs> in Marisol. So I'm I'm proving that I'm not a Chinese or I'm not an Asian racist because I eat Chinese food. And I'm not a black racist because I like fried chicken. Now I was driving down the freeway and and the Yuba College is uh, has a one of those electronic reader board billboard type things in front of their building. And it's it's not that great of one. It's kind of tacky looking actually. But they they said something like we support Black Lives Matter. I thought who in the world is running that college? What kind of nut is running that college? You have a college that you would say Black Lives Matter to the exclusion of every other ethnic group. And don't give me that other ethnic groups haven't suffered. You're just full of baloney. It's a disgrace to have that electronic reader board showing Black Lives Matter on there for all the damage they've done to our communities. The head of Black Lives Matter now has four houses. How did she get them if she's trying to straighten out all the black problems in the United States. She got them because a lot of people just donated money to Black Lives Matter and then it got diverted. So now she's got multi-million dollar houses all over the place. So the billboard, we're paying, like I got to pay on that, on that uh, campus, I got to pay about five different bonds on that Yuba College campus. And the place looks horrible. The built, some of the buildings have been abandoned. No upgraded landscape. No additional trees added. And uh, the place, the place is a mess. Yet the money that we're paying in taxes is going primarily to the Woodland Campus, which isn't even called Yuba College anymore. They separated off, but we're still paying money. If we would devote that money to the basic campus, you know, I just thought, you know, when I drove by the Sutter County campus where it says Black Lives Matter on the reader board, I thought, you know something, uh, this is ridiculous, just absolutely ridiculous. In fact, I had a friend of mine who came to me today and said she was upset, and she said, my boss is requiring that we study how to how to become less white so that means people adults uh are going to have to go through re-education or indoctrination classes in order to keep her job sound ridiculous it is ridiculous so people all over the place are having to sort out, do I want to work here or go along to get along? Or am I going to take a stand? That's what's going on in our country. There's tension about masks. I got gals snarling at me in the grocery store line because I'm standing close to them without a mask on. 
it's, it wasn't too long ago that it, you could not wear a mask into uh, into an establishment. But that's what's going on here. I want to jump down here and I want to talk about Walgreens. Walgreens is right across from me in Marysville, California. I mean, it's like a block down. It's not right in front of the, the house where I live on. I'm looking at, uh, hold on here. I'm, okay, here we go. So I have Walgreens and I have CVS just across the street, basically from where I am. And uh, so sometimes I shop at one, sometimes I shop at the other. Depends on if I can't find what I need. But basically I'm in the habit of shopping at Walgreens. trying to find oh here we go so uh, my habit is to shop at walgreens but sometimes i go to cvs but i read i this thing caught caught my eye it says walgreens shutters 10 stores in san francisco as residents point to rampant shoplifting now when i first read it i thought it was going to say walgreens shutters 10 stores in california but San Francisco being so big and populated, they got 10 Walgreens stores. Well, they may have more, but they shuttered 10 stores. I want you to think about that. 10 stores in San Francisco. So pharmacy agent, uh, pharmacy giant Walgreens has closed its tent store in San Francisco area, prompting residents to blame rampant shoplifting caused by the city's soft-on-crime policies. All of us know it was coming. All of us knew it was coming. Whenever we go in here, they always have a problem with shoplifters, a regular customer, Sebastian Luke said to the Chronicle. On October... One October incident was caught on video. A thief donning black clothing was seen on video, scaling a counter, grabbing an air vent, and leaving the store on a scooter as shells in the store were left bare from similar sprees. You know, if the country cannot protect our personal property, we don't have a country. If the country cannot protect the keystone of personal property, in other words, people can just come in and trash your house. People can steal your car, take your car. People can do all kinds of things, right? But if the government does not step in and protect that, that does not bode well for the future of this country. However you think... Uh, the, the fellow that runs the district attorney's office is doing it down there. Now, one of the things is it's not just liberal district attorneys run by George Soros. The voters over numbers of election uh, periods, uh, voters have gone out and bought the lie on many of these propositions and so they voted to reduce the penalty 
on shoplifting and other kinds of thefts. So in other words, the only way you could even get into jail was if you stole maybe a car. Because if you steal anything that's just up to $950, they're not going to do a thing about it. They may cite you, but you got to go back to court. And if you just go back to River Bottoms, they'll probably just let you be back in court. I mean, stay back in the river bottoms until you get up and cross the paths of law enforcement again. But the wonderful thing about arresting people and putting them in jail was it was a rescue operation, and you could talk sense to people and get them some help. But the supervisors just aren't on this level because probably they need someone to die in their uh, in their circle of friends from an from an opiate overdose so they can learn that opiates are being used by all kinds of people. All kinds of people. Now this is a little meme, a little story. It says Stacy Abrams. Oh, we're about out of time here. I'll just do the first couple of sentences. Stacy Abrams is an attorney who ran for governor of Georgia. Kamala Harris was smart enough to be the mistress of Willie Brown to get her career started uh, while she was an attorney. But both think their fellow black Americans are not smart enough to get a photo ID on their own. What do you think? If you're a white person or Asian person, Hispanic person, do you think black people are smarter as you? We're going to talk about it when we come back. Just a minute. There was a time, perhaps, when we could claim ignorance as our justification for allowing and approving of abortion. Only a few decades ago, we knew relatively little about preborn babies in early stages of development. It seemed appropriate to some to deem abortion a privacy issue or an issue of bodily autonomy. And even then, the motto was safe, legal, and rare. Pro-abortion advocates have abandoned these three qualifications in favor of on-demand through all nine months for any reason. Barbaric laws like those of New York, Illinois, and a bill in Virginia aim to codify what Roe and its companion cases allow, the virtually unrestricted access to abortion until the point of birth. As its defendant's position on abortion has radicalized, science and technology have advanced. We now know that a baby's heart begins to beat as early as six weeks. The child can feel pain as early as 20 weeks, only halfway through the pregnancy. Babies born as early as 21 weeks gestation have survived outside of the womb. By 24 weeks, still only in the second trimester, a fetus has a significant probability of surviving if born premature. Babies at this age have also received life-saving procedures to treat diseases like spina bifida. 
Any woman who has been pregnant or has seen her child on an ultrasound knows the undeniable humanity of their preborn babies. Even as someone who is pro-life, I was shocked to see uh, my daughter in the womb at just 11 and a half weeks, uh, kicking, punching, uh, flipping around. 11 and a half weeks is still the first trimester. Embryology tells us that at the moment of conception onward, a baby is a living human being with a distinct DNA, and yet the abortion advocates have doubled down on their dehumanizing rhetoric and legislative efforts. Remarkably, many members of the so-called party of science insist upon referring to preborn children as no more than clumps of cells. And speaking of abortion, its defenders ignore the existence of the child entirely. Terms like reproductive freedom or bodily autonomy, women's empowerment are used as euphemisms to obscure the reality that the life inside the mom's body is a human, a baby, her baby. If abortion were truly a winning issue for women, if it were, as an article in New York Magazine recently argued, a moral good, this kind of deception wouldn't be necessary. But abortion advocates know that using accurate terminology to describe abortion is an effective PR, and therefore it doesn't make for a profitable business model. Uh, Late-term abortions are typically performed, of course, by emptying the uterus of amniotic fluid, then dismembering the baby with forceps. There are other cases of more uh, grotesque methods utilized, like with Kermit Gosnell. Uh, witnesses before Congress have testified to the neglect of babies who survive abortions, many of whom are reportedly left to die alone. Uh, Virginia Governor Ralph Northam declared earlier this year that a baby who survives an abortion would be delivered, kept comfortable, and resuscitated if that's what the mother and the family desired. While tragic, pro-lifers shouldn't be surprised by pro-choice radicalism. Uh, this is the end of the logic of the pro-abortion case. There is no logical argument for abortion that doesn't also apply to people who are born America is included on a list of only seven countries, including China and North Korea, to allow abortion after 20 weeks gestation. Uh, the same legislators who are pro-abortion were happy to vote yes on a bill criminalizing animal cruelty on the federal level. And while I'm thankful for this, I only wish the same basic compassion could be extended to the most vulnerable members of our own species. Millions of people out of work and yet people hiring can't get people to work because people are being paid to stay home and not work high gas prices, and gas shortages. Inflation really starting to set in. Forget peace in the Middle East. <laughs> Israel is under attack. Iran is emboldened again. They actually surrounded our U.S. warships just the other day. Drugs are pouring into our country through the southern border. And human trafficking is definitely up. <laughs> thousands and, and then thousands of migrant children at the southern border, alone, without their parents, all alone. Civil unrest, lots of civil unrest. Lumber prices are up. Couldn't build a home if you wanted to right now. <laughs> Cyber attacks on our US oil pipelines. No one holding communist China responsible for this last year and a half. <laughs> but all of this is okay. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Because uh, we don't have the mean tweets, right? No mean tweets. I mean, I, I think it's important to note how, how terrible the mean tweets were, okay? They're horrible. They've done it. We now have seedless watermelon. Pretty amazing. What are they planting? to grow the seedless watermelon, I wonder.
The melons aren't humping, are they? They must be planting something. How does this work? And what kind of scientists do this type of work? I read a thing, it was 15 years in development. In the laboratories with, you know, gene splicing or whatever they do there, I don't know. I mean, other scientists working on AIDS, cancer, heart disease, these guys are going, no, I'm gonna devote myself to melon. I think that's much more important. Sure, thousands are dying needlessly, but this, that's gotta stop. When you ever try and pick up a wet one off the floor, it's almost impossible. I really think we should devote the money to these studies. I'm a cowboy who never saw a cow, never roped a steer, cause I don't know how, and I sure ain't fixing to start it now. Yippee-yi-oh-ki-yay. Yippee-yi-oh-ki-yay. All right, so it says here, white liberals watch in amazement as black man gets an ID. Do you ever notice any black person you ever worked with them and they didn't have an ID? This is a myth or a lie that the Democrat Party has been perpetrating for years. It's just baloney. So Kamala Harris and Stacey Abrams, both of them are attorneys, they think that maybe they were just an outcast or an outlier, and they think that the average black American is not smart enough to go get a photo ID on their own, that they need somebody, a chaperone or somebody, to coax them and do interpret for them if they're speaking only Ebonics. Newsom, Pelosi, and the rest of the Democrats do not believe blacks are very smart. Now, that's tragedy. That's tragic. How much do you think about black people being dumb? All are supporters of the eugenics-driven Planned Parenthood. Did you know that? Blacks, uh, a lot of blacks support Planned Parenthood. Uh, the question is how much do you think about black people being dumb are they dumber than the other species if you believe in races as opposed to one race all democrats are supportive of the eugenics driven Planned Parenthood eugenics means preference over a particular race in, in 2019, Planned Parenthood killed over 117,646 black babies. We didn't do a count on the rest of them. Michael Sparkton says, white liberals gathered in, in the town of Hampton Falls and were shocked and astonished as local black man, accountant and father of three Sparkton uh, three, Michael Sparkton's is the guy's name, walked right into a Department of Transportation office and, and acquired an ID without any assistance from the liberal whatsoever. When you ask 
blacks on the street, if they have any trouble getting an ID, not only did everyone have one, but it was no big deal to them. I don't know. In other words, the idea was who put that into their mind in the first place. I'm just going to pick and choose here. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Bill Gates for a minute. We got 16 minutes left. We got time to talk about Bill Gates. Bill Gates is uh, maybe pure evil. Certainly, he's maybe one of the richest guys in certainly the United States. But we all heard that he got a divorce, or they, they decided they were going to have a divorce after 27 years of marriage. So Tyler Durden, uh, for the... Uh, trying to think where he writes for... I'll, I'll get it in a minute. Anyway, Tyler Durden writes, Before Bill Gates was known as the elitist nerd masquerading as leading vaccine expert, the Microsoft co-founder was a hard-partying womanizer who recruited local strippers to attend naked pool parties and had major issues with infidelity even after marrying Melinda, according to a biography that was just written about him. Maybe that sent Melinda over the edge. Uh, so it says Microsoft co-founder's wild lifestyle was well known among his inner circle, but newspapers like the New York times had the unflattering reports to contend to continue getting spoon fed stories like James Wallace wrote, wrote in the 1997 biography overdrive Bill Gates and a race to conquer cyberspace. This goes on to say they didn't report. The the newspapers gave him a buy on anything negative. They just printed stuff that they think would be uh, embellishing his personality. They didn't report any wild parties that Microsoft boyish chairman would throw in his Senate Seattle home for which Gates would visit one of Seattle's all-nude nightclubs and have dancers come to his home and swim naked with his friends in the indoor pool. It was a continuation from the time at Harvard where he did uh, like to frequent Boston's and notorious combat zone with its porn shows, strip joints, and prostitutes, according to Wallace. What's more, Bill continued acting like a bachelor even after he started dating future wife Melinda in 1988. Melinda, who filed for divorce last week after 27 years of marriage, which included her husband's friendship with convicted pe pedophile Jeffrey Epstein. Were you kind of thrown when you saw uh, things written about Bill Gates and Jeffrey Epstein? It kind of threw me. I thought, I thought Gates was a pretty straight dude. But now the guy's a perv, isn't he? 
So he was uh, hang, hung out with convicted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein. You know, at the upper level, when you get into trouble, it's no big deal. Everybody just ignores everything. Everybody's got their hand in the cookie jar and in each other's pants. Jeffrey Epstein was well aware of Gates womanizing, or Melinda was well aware that her husband was with Jeffrey Epstein, who was also well aware of Gates womanizing, even after they were in a serious relationship. The, cu the couple ran hot and cold, according to the biographer, which I don't really care. I just am interested. Uh, one of Gates' executives, Ann Wimblad, continued having weekends away with a Microsoft executive even after marrying Melinda, 94. It's interesting. Yeah, another ex, Jill Bennett, described as his first serious girlfriend, said they sp split because of Gates' fixation from working long hours. In the end, it was difficult to sustain a relationship with someone who would boast a seven-hour turnaround. Now, I... I wondered what that meant. Then she explained it. A seven-hour turnaround means from the time you get off work to the time you're back at work, you only you only spend seven hours on non-work activities. He said that's tough to make a marriage work. All Gates' friends said he wasn't any quiet boy. He partied it up, and infidelity was a big part of it, and women— Messing with women, exploiting women was a big part of it. So good article by Tyler Durden. All right. Did you have you ever thought of this, how the, the left uses uh, slogans that then they flip-flop and they still use that slogan for them like for abortion my body my choice right my body my choice keep your hands off my body my body my choice i want to kill a baby i can kill a baby that's okay right so it says in school we we're told by our parents just because the other kids do it that doesn't mean you need to do it remember i've heard that many times when you go to a doctor and they prescribe a new drug or medicine, they tell you what the effects on your body in the short term and long term may be. The COVID vaccine is so is so new that even the FDA has not approved it, and your doctor can't tell you anything about it. We do know that in California so far, 3,100 people have taken the vaccine, and they've actually gotten the virus. To make a comparison, nationwide in 2019, 40 kids, just 40 kids that took the measles vaccine got measles. But already we got 3,100 people that took the vaccine ended up getting sick. So we are being bombarded by commercials pushing us to be socially responsible. Medical professionals, celebrities, and folks in our communities admonish us to not shirk our civic duty. Suddenly, the vaccine is the only way we're going to get back to normalcy. Friends and family openly brag about their vaccinations and gasp in astonishment when they find out you have, haven't decided or worse that you will not get it. Doctors 
who inquire also give their disapproving look. Listen, people need to be stood up against and just straightened out, or you can just try another location. Try somewhere else, right? Andrew Cuomo had the gall to suggest that the unvaccinated could kill their own grandmother. And it was Cuomo who sent all these old grandmothers back to the nursing homes to die. I mentioned earlier that a connected, uh, Connecticut uh, following a similar program in Connecticut, New Jersey's governor launched a shot and a beer program where those who get vaccinated in May get a free beer at participating breweries upon presentation of the Vax card. See how it works, people? Pressure, pressure, pressure. You wonder why uh, the Bill Gates stories didn't surface? Because they get buried, because the certain types of people in this country threaten people. And they have control over these these groups. So you never do get the truth unless you look at alternative media. I, I repeat every once in a while here, please turn off your television and quit watching your television and study these issues and look up articles on the Internet and look up uh, stuff on the, uh, the web. When you get a YouTube clip or bit shoot or rumble, you can educate yourself in like 15 minutes. It's like a, a wonderful deal. So we really need you to quit watching television and and read the Bible, pray, and then study things, the issues, and come to your own conclusion and become a patriot. That's what we're really asking you through this show. But habits are hard to break, are they not? Habits are very hard to break. Even good habits or habits that are not bad. They're just like, Oh, I'm doing this. So I get it. Habits are hard to break. I'm telling you that the people I know that are totally confused and pulled this way and that way are people that are that are controlled by the media. They're lost. And they don't know what to do. And they're just and so when that happens, it, it's sociological. In other words, there, people study these things. Like when an airliner is going to go down, they know that not everybody necessarily will die. If anybody's going to live, there will probably be a small group of people. They have it broken down, and people that, if they know the plane's going down, they just give up. Well, it may not be time to give up. You may be able to escape. So... We have a choice to make in America, and we have a choice to make in California. Some people are living. I don't blame them. I, hey, I'm okay. People want to move. They feel safer. They feel more free. They feel better. Wherever we go at this time in the history of the world, wherever we go in this country, we're going to get attacked. Because if you have views like I do, no matter where you live, you're going to get attacked by someone who doesn't like your views and that's just the way it is if you want to keep your mouth shut then we're then basically we're getting uh back to where we were 
many, many years ago. When we just took a pass and we just let five people on these boards and commissions and school boards and supervisors and city councils and planning commissions and all these groups, we just sat back and let them make the decisions for us. And then in four years, we'd try to remember what they were. Usually we couldn't remember what they were. And many times they voted just the opposite of what we wanted. So those days need to be over and we need to get involved in going to the meetings, the Tuesday night meetings for city council. And then on opposite week weeks, supervisors meetings at nine. It's interesting, isn't it? City councils are meeting in this area at night, which is a courtesy to allow the public to show up after work and after dinner. Supervisors meet at 9 a.m. in in Yuba County and 3 p.m. in Sutter County. What do you, why do you think they do that? Do you think they think people are going to take a day off work to come and sit through several hours of a meeting? No, they're not. If they reset their their meetings at night, which they were once at night, uh, they'd have a lot of activists there, a lot of people that want to stand up. They don't like the way things are going down in California, and they want a Second Amendment sanctuary county. They want a lot of things. But the challenge is to be able to get there and stand up and speak. But it's very stimulating for the supervisors because they know you're watching. And when we're not there, which was like the last 16 months, they knew people really wouldn't see, couldn't see what was going on. So, uh, let's see. I'm just looking for. So the challenge is there's a, I don't know whether you've ever considered being on a central committee like there's Republican central committees and supposed to be in each county. Ours have kind of fallen on hard times. But one of my friends is getting involved in the, uh, in the Yuba County. Sorry here. I'm trying to get to my computer and I can't, I've lost it for a minute. Okay. So a friend of mine through the encouragement of others got involved with the uh, central committee of the, of the Republican party. And there's one in each, each town more, some are more effective than others. So if you'd like to get involved and start making some change at the grassroots level, my contention has always been, if we can't control the turf here, we're not going to do much back there. In fact, most of what's done is under the cl- cloud of darkness so if you want to check in with me 530-713-1838 if you if you want to uh chat about something or whatever or you can go to lou at church of glad tidings dot uh sorry lou at no hostages radio.com and uh you can you can tell me what's what's shaking and if you need anything from me, like if you can't find the Healthy American, the 12 points for the supervisors, I can click, I can cut and paste that and put that into 
uh, uh, email to you or whatever you need to be activated. Please just start going to supervisors and city council meetings. Uh, and you can look up on their website, tells you where to go and you could go speak on topics. You just signed a card, you submit it. They call your name. You get up, you got three minutes. It goes by very fast and, uh, you can have an impact. So, uh, Take advantage of that. This is your freedom, and you're not going to get to keep it unless you stand up for that. So uh, anyway, we'll call it a night or call it a day, whichever you're listening to this at, and uh, we'll see you next week. We're so glad to see so many of you lovely people here tonight. We would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We certainly hope you all enjoy the show. And remember, people, that no matter who you are and what you do to live, thrive, and survive, there's still some things that make us all the same. You, me, them, everybody. Everybody. Sugar to kiss.